0: Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Donna Marie Hayes, author of These Broken Roads, Scammed and Vindicated, One Woman's Story. As a Jamaican immigrant at the top of her game, thriving in New York City, Donna Marie Hayes' career was soaring on Wall Street, and she was starring in her own one-woman show off Broadway, only to be scammed by a man she had met on a dating app, someone she thought she would marry. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. She learned that she had been a target from the beginning, the victim of a romance-slash-real-estate scam perpetrated by a career Criminal and ex con. Suddenly, her financial independence was at risk, and so was her ability to trust herself. This is a story of how that woman rose yet again to find her power. She is a SAG, AFTRA actress, and cabaret singer. As an ICF certified coach, she owns a coaching practice dedicated to helping women shed victimhood for empowerment. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Donna. Is it Donna or Donna Marie?
1: Uh, Donna is perfectly fine. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Great to have you. We need to hear your stories. Um, As my first guest on the show said, people don't listen to statistics and research and empowerment. What they really need to hear is stories. So you have the story Mm -hmm. that will help women, yes, to become more empowered. So you, let's start. In the beginning, I think you, you're from Jamaica and you didn't, you came right. to the United States when you were 14. So let, let's start. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with that. What, you know, the trauma, what was the, the traumatic events while you were in sure. Jamaica? Yeah.
1: So, you know, I spent um, the first 14 years of my life in Jamaica. I was living with my grandmother and my step grandfather. Um, you know, we were very poor. We didn't have electricity or indoor plumbing or some of the things that I've learned, grown to love here in the States. But I think what was affecting me most at that time was that my, I didn't know my parents and my sister's, were in the States with my mother and I was left in Jamaica and I remember at five years old just feeling so isolated that I would pray to their pictures thinking they could hear me begging them to come and take me with them so I can live in the States. So whenever my mom would visit, um, you know, the hope was, the prayer was that she would take me with her. My sisters would visit but my mom would come and take them and not take me. So I think I've always felt as a young child that I just wasn't enough. There was something about me that was so lacking that I wasn't good enough to come and live with her. And I had to, you know, I stayed in this in Jamaica until I was 14. Most of the time during my young years, I was by myself because my grandparents would go to the market and sell what have you. And I would... For the most part, just stay um, in the yard with the cows and the goats and the pigs, feeling very, very lonely and very sad. But even as a, a young girl, I've always felt that I wasn't enough. And whether directly or indirectly, that's the message that I received. And unfortunately, that ca- I carry that even into adulthood. Donna, so, I Adana, so can States. I want to stop you there? Mm-hmm. Because sure. you said
0: you sure. felt the whole time there was something about you. Why didn't your mother take you? And she took your sisters and said there was something about you. And obviously you felt it was negative. What was it about yes. her? Why didn't she, that didn't allow her to take you? What was, because it, it, it is she, not you. Yes. You're the baby. Right. Um, yeah.
1: Yes. Well, you know, un, unfortunately in, in, that culture and certainly her way of thinking is that don't ask questions, you know, just do as you're told. So it was never a situation where I could engage my mom in a dialogue and, and, and say to her, so please explain to me why you didn't take me. I just didn't, you know, I, your sisters were here and I needed you to stay in and keep your grandmother company, you know, versus, so I never really, I never really received an answer as to why, and that just more made me feel as if you know you're you're just to do as you're told without giving me any real clarity as to why. So I don't know why.
0: What happened at fourteen? How did you? Okay, well, yeah. well, fast forward. Now you're a teenager, and you said, yes. and you don't just wind up in the United States. How would you get there at fourteen? Right. Yeah, my,
1: my mother decided. My mother decided that I should finally, <clears throat> excuse me, come to live in the States, and I came at 14 years old, and I was very, very happy and very excited to come and live in the States with my mom and my sisters. My dad was not in the picture because he was really never in the picture, and I moved to the States, and my mom, unfortunately, I had hoped that we would now have this reconnection where I would get to know her, and she would love me, and my father would love me and, you know, people would show that they care for me. But instead, what I came to, I was, we were now barely, heavily immersed in the church. And all of the social things that a teenager would normally do, whether it's going to the movies or going to your prom or going on a date or hanging out with friends or watching television or any, all of those things were strictly forbidden. And so I came to the States, and now, you know, when kids, kids nowadays would pray for the weekends, I can't wait for the weekends, I would pray for the weekdays just so I could go out of the house and have some sort of social setting in school. So it, it, it was not what I expected, because now I really couldn't do anything. There was no love. There was no affection. Just church, 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 church. And that just further confused me and just made me even feel more, um, less connected or disconnected, um, from my mother until I ran away at 21, um, as a way to escape that.
0: So that was your, uh, I'm, I'm labeling it as your second trauma. I also uh, yeah. tell me how you felt about, cause you'd been with your grandparents, so your grandmother and your step-grandfather mm-hmm. for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Was that a loss mm-hmm. also? I mean, the fact that yes, you wanted to come to the United States. It sounds like you kind of had a maybe a, a fantasy about how your mother would treat you, but or mm-hmm. uh, or how the family would be. But what about leaving them? Was that or, or were you? Was that a traumatic sure. event?
1: Sure. Uh, yes, my grand my step grandfather had passed on um, at that time, but my my grandmother was. You know, she was never, you know, like this affectionate person, whatever, but she was not abusive either. She was kind to me. She was caring for me. So there was some pain in leaving her. But certainly what I was focused on at that point, oh, my God, I'm going to go and get to live with my mother. And even after I moved to the States, I would write my grandmother. She didn't have a telephone, but we would write back and forth until she passed away in 1990.
0: So, Okay. Now we are in the United States and you're going to church yeah. all the time, which is more restrictive or restricting than anything you had experienced before. Cause you're saying Correct. you like to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the weekday was more freeing than the weekends. Um, so how did Correct. you get out of that? How did you, I mean, I'm assuming that the choices you made perhaps were not too good <laughs> considering yes. where you were at. Um, so what yes. did happen? How did you get away from that restrictive environment?
1: Yes. I mean, There was just heavy sadness that just, you know, I was being, I was being bullied in school on a regular basis. I couldn't really tell my mother because she didn't, for the most part, didn't really care. Just be glad you have food and shelter. That was the focus. And, um, I, you know, I was doing a play. I was 19. I met this, this young man in church and we started dating but dating just means talking we were not allowed to hold hands we were not allowed to show any sort of affection just talking that's how the church was structured and at the age of 21 i i just he asked me to marry him and i told my mother and i'm not sure what she told the pastor of the church but he accused me of just being this really bad person, although I'd done nothing, absolutely nothing. And he, for the most part, say, take that ring off your finger. You're never to see him again. And at that moment, I decided this will be my life if I don't get out. And I, we just ran away and, and got married.
0: So you ran away, you got married, and then mm-hmm. uh, I don't like to give away the whole story, but let's keep yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah, we want people yeah, to read the yeah, book.
1: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. We just, we Went away and got married, you know, but I think what, what, what's so important here to understand is that when I got married, because I lived by myself for the most part in, in Jamaica, I was with my grandparents, but I stayed by myself a lot. When I moved to the States at the age of 14, I was pretty much in this situation that was, in my opinion, just just devoid of any sort of love or any sort of affection, um, didn't have any real experience about what life was like, what it was it like to be a young adult woman, what that entailed, that I married my, my, my first husband. And I remember shortly after marrying him, a few days in, I asked him, is it okay if I turned on the television? Oh, and okay. even though any, I remember he looked at me well, yeah, you, this is your home and this is the television. Feel free, because I w- television was so frowned upon that I thought I would be doing something wrong. That I felt I would ask him. So I, this was a brand new world for me. I didn't understand what it meant to be an adult. Charlotte didn't understand what it meant to be a wife. And I was so naive. I was so vulnerable that you know, for the first year was fine. And then after that, he just started staying out late night after night after night after night. And, you know, then we had a child and he just left me in a semi-abandoned building with an infant child and I had to run again.
0: So maybe stopping you here, because this is your story Mm -hmm. and it's unique to you, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. also maybe more common than we think here, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you experience these different, uh, periods in your life and there was really nobody there to help you. Nobody who could no guide way. you. Uh, and you had these people no who way. really didn't have your best interest in mind. Unfortunately, your mm-hmm. mother and your first husband, what would you say to, to young women? Now you want to help to empower them who are in this kind of a position? What do they do? I mean, you are a coach. So what would you do? Yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I would absolutely say that, you know, do not rely on others for your own happiness, you know, because I had felt because of my childhood that I needed to rely on others for my own happiness, that I needed to do something extra to get them to stay. So when I moved to the States, my mindset, even at 14, was you have to be an extra, you have to work. Very hard, and you have to be very good, and you have to prove your worth to her so that she could love you, so you have to do extra chores and and go to church more often and and read your bible a lot and i was I was doing those things because I wanted her to to um accept me, but I now know that I am responsible for my own um, for my own happiness, and I had to find a way to really focus on that. So I was reliant on everyone else because I didn't think that I could be the source of my own happiness, that I could be content just with me that I had to find validation and acceptance from others outside of myself.
0: So you were able to do that when actually your somewhat abusive husband left you actually left you in that building. And then it was like um, that that kind of a in that
1: building and then I was actually in that building with his, his father. And it was just rats and water bugs and all sort of things running rampant. And one day I just left. I ran away and I went to stay with a, with a friend until I found my own apartment. And then about three years later, I met my second husband.
0: But you had a career, because I, I want you to talk about that too, because you, as I said in the intro, a career so on mm-hmm. Wall Street. So how did you get to that? Point? Yes. <laughs> yes. So From that I, rat I started in a building you know, <laughs> no. with your father, I, you know, ex father in law or whatever. And then you're, uh, you know, a career on Wall Street. That's a big leap, a huge leap.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. I've always been very diligent. I've always had excellent work ethic and I wanted to make a better life for my child. So, you know, I finished college and, you know, I found a position in equity research, which was my entry into the financial services industry, worked in equity research, and then my career just took off. And and then I moved into human resources, managed many HR teams. As my career grew over the years, I moved to a managing director role, heading up Um, deputy head of human resources for all of the Americas, including Latin America. So my career professionally was was just taking off and just growing. But personally, I was struggling. Personally, I was struggling because a part of me was still feeling as if I was not worthy. And I guess it served me in my professional life because I worked really hard and that paid off. But personally, I was still struggling. A lot. And, you know, when I then I met my second husband, and I knew from the beginning that he was not, we were not really compatible. He was very uh, volatile, he, you know, had this huge temper. And But at the time that I met him, we were literally hungry. So this is before I became very, very successful. We were literally hungry. My friends would go into their cupboards and and get food and, 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 and give to me just so I can feed my daughter because I really had no extra money. And so... Around that same time, I, I met him, and I decided to, uh, you know, go along with it, and I started um, dating him, and he was very abusive. He was physically abusive, and I stayed with him for 19 years, talking myself into it, telling myself, it's okay, you can make this work. You know, he, he's that's just how he, he is. He's been through his own uh, share of issues, and therefore, I stayed with him for 19 years until I actually left. I ran Nin- again, yet again.
0: Okay, so 19 years is a lifetime. That's longer than yes. if you were in Jamaica, yeah. actually. So 19 years. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. the people in, in between? I mean, obviously, you are very motivated. You're very smart. You have all mm-hmm. those attributes mm-hmm. or assets. Mm-hmm. But yet you stay with this man for 19 years. Which mm-hmm. Was there anybody telling you any kind of resource, any kind of uh, people in your environment who said, wait a minute, isn't it? don't you need to get out? Uh, or, isn't, or did sure. you share with anybody what was happening to you?
1: Sure. People were aware of what was happening. I was married to him. I packed and unpacked eight times. I found apartments and got so close to signing the lease that I didn't because he would say, if I can't have you, no one else can. And he threatened my life. And so a, a big part of the reason why I stayed was year. And I wanted to wait until my daughter was old enough. She went off to college and that's when I ran. So, so that's yes, what, yeah, people okay. were, you know, suggesting shelters and, and things of that nature. But I just kind of, I had a house, I had purchased the home. Um, I had my home and I just, I just went with it. Tried to now, keep him calm, as calm as I could until I found the opportunity. I found a window and I ran. That's how I got away you
0: you got away but d- i guess physically you got away did you get away emotionally yeah. because yeah, i mean it seems to me w- when you haven't dealt with and it it sounds like that those were some of your issues like yeah. not really dealing with yeah. your past so you continue yeah. to make mm-hmm. it creeps up on you emotionally you keep making these poor choices even though and i'm repeating it but you are so uh, such an ind- independent person bright person talented person but yet absolutely yeah, he's, he's, you continue yeah. to. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. So when I left him, I took eight years. I decided to take eight years and just focus on me. I went into therapy and I was seeing my therapist on a regular basis. I even completed the New York City Marathon. I started singing and I started performing again. And I felt as if I was really focusing on my well-being and self-care. And for eight years, that's what I did. I just focused on that, on me. I didn't really date anyone else until I met this individual without giving away too much in, in early 2016. And I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready. I thought that I had done the work and here I was doing really well professionally on the surface. It appears, wow, this person really has it all together. But, you know, I thought so. Until I got into this relationship with him, and, and he this, ultimately scammed me.
0: Do we want to talk about that, or leave that? Leave everyone. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I can I can just touch on it. I mean, it's it's a very layered story. Um, but you know, I, I went on a dating site, and it had been eight years, and I'll be very honest with you, I was fifty four years old at the time, and I wanted companionship. I had only been in two relationships in 54 years and they were both. My husband had not been with anyone else. It was just me, myself and I most of the time. And I wanted companionship. And I said, you know, I met, I met him online. I went on this website for individuals over 50 and I said, you know, well, you know, individuals in the 50s for the most part are mature, established individuals. And then I met him and without giving away too much He convinced me to buy this house, and I was looking for a home, um, a retirement property, and I turned the money over to him to handle all of the renovations. We were together for 18 months. So when you think of romance scams, the average person thinks about an online fraudster who's sitting behind a screen somewhere in a faraway land. The person may never see their, their faces, never Probably hear their voices, but this person I saw every single weekend. He spent every weekend with me. We went everywhere to the museum, to the park, um, to escape rooms, hiking. He even carved my initials in large black letters across his chest. And he practically moved into my apartment towards the end. So I thought I was in a committed relationship with someone that was really, who was really my person. I now know that I was being groomed and he just had, he just needed to convince me that he was all in. He needed me to believe, but I now know that I was being groomed for the big payday, which he ultimately stole from me, which is, you know, almost $200,000.
0: He was a pro, and you weren't. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, naive, vulnerable, even at that age. Even at that age, because I believed him. I mean, who else would? I mean, I saw him every weekend. We did everything together. He met my daughter. He met my, well, he pays time with my daughter because she lives on the West Coast. But he met my sister. He met my nephews. I met his, his, his sister and his niece and FaceTime with his mom, FaceTime with his son on a regular basis. So I was blindsided to know that all of that relationship was real only to me. And I think it happened because I, although there were some signs that I saw, and I would chastise myself, I would say, it's just because you're coming out of this really horrific relationship and that's just a trauma response that's just a trauma talk just give it a chance so you dismissed your did. own feelings mm-hmm.
0: you said i mean there were it wasn't as if you were totally unaware but emotionally those feelings that were saying maybe don't do this or uh, you you just you dismiss them and and i'm i'm thinking i'm going back when you said you just turned over all this money to him which is kind of the mm-hmm. behavior that you had always done in the past, somebody yeah. else was going to take yeah. care of you, somebody else or that you thought was going to take care of you, just like this guy, yeah, um, but that obviously wasn't the case, um, correct, yeah,
1: so and yeah, we have- yeah, so you know when 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 it happened, <laughs> I was completely. I can't even explain how shocked I was that I, and then someone says, well, maybe he really loved you and, but he realized that maybe you had some disposable income and he could somehow, you know, swindle you out of that. But then I went on the website about three days or four days after I realized what he did and there he was back on the website with a new name a new profile name and a new profile and he was so bold and in one of those pictures he was actually wearing one of my running shirts well so he was a pro
0: but <laughs> he I was yeah. a pro, he definitely was a pro we should leave it right there cuz we only have a couple minutes yeah. left and we want people yeah. to mm-hmm. buy the book obviously mm-hmm. uh, and uh, maybe learn some of those lessons that now i sure. have learned Uh, and Mm -hmm. I've been talking to Donna Marie Hayes and the title of her book is these broken roads, scammed and vindicated one woman's story. You need to read this story. Um, even if you've been listening to the show today, there's much more to the story in the book. So, okay. So Donna, what website or websites can we go to? You've written a book, but you're also an actor. You're a coach. You're a lot of different good things.
1: Yes. Yes. So after this happened, I started a life coaching practice. I'm certified through ICF. I have a coaching practice, um, Distinguished Coaching, and people can find me there at distinguishedcoaching.com. Um, As you said, I'm also an actress, a SAG actress and a cabaret singer, and I do perform here in Manhattan. And people and my website there is haze.com, and I'm also um, on social media.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing that story, Sure. which, yes, I I really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of other people in my audience appreciate it, too. Donna Marie Hayes. Thank you for having me
1: on the show. Thank Thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.